The final frontier begins. This is about saving the future of humanity. This is a huge victory for the good guys. You've never seen Voyager. Commitment to this course of action is not emotional. Scotty, beam us up. Welcome to another episode of Beam Me Up, a Star Trek podcast. I am Brent Allen, your host, and I have seen every episode of Star Trek 47 times. I love that you're keeping track nowadays. And uh, (laughs) I'm Matt Sonnenberg, and this is my first time through the series. And this is the show where we are on a mission to introduce as many people as possible to the Star Trek universe by watching the most important episodes that deal with the lore, the history, and the timeless message that is Star Trek. Before I forget, Brent, I need to ask you the, uh, what was it? I just lost it now. That's one for the good guys or something like that in our intro. Uh-huh. Is that Cisco? Yeah, that is. Okay. I was actually just going to ask you if you've noticed because like you've got Kirk and then cards yep. in there and mm-hmm. uh, well, Kirk's like I'm slowly end. trying to pick them out when yeah. we get new, new captains or commanders yeah. and, and, and go, go, go with that route. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. and yeah. the particular, we, I promise you, we will watch the episode that that line comes from. We okay. haven't yet seen the episode that Picard's line comes from. <laughs> So we'll we'll get there because we're not done with next generation, even though we've started deep space nine, we are, we are not done with next generation yet. So we'll get there. And I promise you, we'll get to the episode where Cisco's line comes in of, uh, this is a big victory for the good guys. If you say so. And that's a, that's a hell of an episode, Matt. You're going to, it's a great episode. Okay. If you say so. In any case, this is the spot where I tell you to go check out beamyuppod.com. You should do that because we have everything you need to know over there. If you want to get in contact with us, if you want to check out old episodes, if you want to check out new episodes, everything's over there. Go do it. I agree. Today's episode is the second or the third, depending on how you count, episode of season one of Deep Space Nine titled Past Prologue, or as I like to call it, the one where we meet plain, simple Garrick. In case you don't remember or you didn't watch this one first, and honestly, I wouldn't blame you if you didn't, this is the one where Julian meets Garrick, Kira butts heads with Cisco over an old pal from the Bajoran Terrace days, and we really learn just how important the wormhole potentially is to Bajor. Now, Matt, before we get into the recap of this episode, I'm curious, here it is, what are your initial thoughts on this episode? I actually am okay with it. Okay. Like, I, 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 I didn't have any, I mean... I think a big piece of this mm-hmm. was that it did settle down. Like I was, like I was asking for last week. Right. Uh-huh. Okay. Like it wasn't a complete mess of a show. Okay. And so with that being said, I, I think jumping to deep space nine kind of reset my meter for mm-hmm. everything. Okay. And so like this episode is actually becoming more of a baseline mm-hmm. because I mean, like I said, first episode I felt was just a mess. And now it's like, okay, I, I see kind of your format, your, 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 I mean, maybe it's not actually their format, but in th- this, this episode felt like it had more of a, a, a structure to it. Yes. And it had that Star Trek five act. You can, you can kind sure. of predict the flow of the episode and how it's going to go. Um, it, had that bit, feel to it. it had a Star Trek uh, feel to it, but there, there it's, I, I, it also has what I feel is going to be a deep space nine feel to it. Okay. What do you mean by that? <laughs> I, I, I don't fully know how to explain it yet, uh-huh. but the, like, I, I'm slowly starting to piece things together. Like I, I finally figured out how to, to coherently explain kind of last week I mentioned it as, as a lack of respect, Okay. Uh, but I, I, this week I, I changed that into apparently the, the, there's like a difference from being on a starship to, or at least specifically the enterprise, because that's what I've seen the most. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's a difference from being on a starship to being on this space station. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of the formalities are kind of dropped. That's what you mean when you say respect. You're not, you're not talking about respect for Star Trek and the history that is Star Trek. You're talking about within the show. I, yeah, I think that, that that's yeah. what it is. It, like okay. it's character on character respect. Yeah, yeah, okay. That's and, what you're saying. And and so like it seems like a lot of formalities are dropped. Mm-hmm. Everybody just really speaks their mind without asking yeah. for permission, right? Because like yeah, hey, they 
give you the permission like, to be like, frank, like, sir, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. permission to speak freely, essentially. Yeah, yeah, right. They don't do that I, I, here. Yeah, you're yeah right. they don't do you're that right. at all. It's just like they're always up front, you know, you know, this is how I'm feeling right now, and you're going to hear about it. I don't care if you're ranked higher than I am. Sure. Yeah. And I think that's, I, I think that's, you're right. It's very much a part of the space station. I think that mostly comes down to the idea that this, while this is being administered by the Federation, this is still a Bajoran space station, or at least mm-hmm. now it is. It was Cardassian, but now it's Bajoran. They claimed it. Yeah. And you have a conflict of, of cultures like Kira and Odo and those guys are not Starfleet. Yeah. You know, yeah, and, and so I, hopefully I you sense a difference between, hopefully you sense a difference between how Dax and Odo O'Brien respond to Cisco versus how like Akira and Anoto and Quark, who's not even in the military at all. He's a civilian. He didn't care how he talks to you as long as you don't throw him in jail. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, well, I'm, I'm glad you got there because I, I think this is an episode and this was a heavily debated episode for me as to whether or not to include it because okay. to be quite frank outside of meeting Garrick, and we'll get to that in just a minute. There's nothing about this show that's overly important to the overall story story of star trek or deep space nine it's just not but i chose this episode because it's not a pilot episode like this is kind of the first like this is life aboard a space station Mm -hmm. and it gives i think it's going to give you a baseline for here's what things are here's how things operate on the on the space station that's not mixed in with okay let's introduce everybody and let's give everybody a backstory and let's tell you the history the the political history of what's going on here and then add in whatever this new thing is it's going to start off the entire show it's not of that it's just uh here's life in in general mm-hmm. <laughs> aboard the space station yeah I, I think one of the other things it did for me that i maybe should have picked up on sooner uh-huh. but really the fact that it's in this episode again is this this conflict between the bajorans and cardassians like i think it's going to be a fairly ever-present thing yeah. and and so maybe you could have shown me 90% of the episodes to drive home that point, but like it's starting to finally click here that, okay, here's what's going on. Here's our situation. Like just right at the beginning when, when, and they're like, you know, the Bajoran ship comes back and the crosses back into Bajoran space and the Cardassians still fly in into Bajoran space and start firing at them. I'm like, right. Okay. This is a big deal here. Yeah. These aren't the Romulans who are like hiding out, never coming to be seen. Like these guys are just, the Cardassians are there and they don't care. And mm-hmm. they're gonna they're gonna push a whole lot of a whole lot of buttons. But let's save that. Let's get into that here in just a moment. Uh before we get into the episode, though, I do have our character actor spotlight. And once again, we have quite a few um in this particular episode. Let's start with some familiar faces. Barbara March and Gwyneth Walsh are back as Lursa and Bator. The was dirty, not expecting that. Dirty, no good Duras sisters. They're back. Yep. Um, and we'll talk about them in just a few minutes in a little bit. But I well, let's go ahead and say this. A lot of people will say, and Matt, I don't know if perhaps you have this thought, that Lursa and Bator were just brought in as fan service or as an attempt to connect the new series to the old series, right? Like there's no need to bring them in. It's just you're just trying to you're trying to capture all the next generation fans and bring them over. I, I can see where people have that argument, but yeah. I I liked how they wrapped him into the story. Yeah. So Michael Pillar, your best friend, mm-hmm. uh, it was him who actually suggested using Larson Bator, and he insists that it was not fan service and it wasn't trying to capture the next generation people over because in his, honestly, like in their minds, they already have the next generation fans. They're <laughs> sure, just sure. going to watch, right? Like, I, I, in my mind, I think if they if they if they were trying to give us fan service at that point, uh-huh. uh, Larson Bator were, were not are not the fans. Service. The, the people I would go to. Yeah, right. Who would you go to? Just out of curiosity, who would you? Go I, to? I I was trying to think about that, over? and I, I I don't necessarily. <laughs> I, I struggle recalling even the epi- the few episodes that I've watched, uh-huh. right? And so, I mean, the first person who came to mind, which doesn't make sense to me, would be like Q. I'm like, no, okay. he he wouldn't do that. Like, I, I, I like you need someone who who who's who's dirty and who's willing to make a deal. I get that. Like, honestly, maybe the Romulans make more sense. Mm. Except they're let, let me see if I can get this right. They're on the other side, right? Yeah, they're on the they're other side. Space. Yeah. Although I don't know where the Klingons are in 
compared. So, all right. So if you think of it like North America, right? Like if the Federation is the United States, sure. Like you have, you have Canada, but imagine if Canada was like split in two right down the middle, right? Okay. Like one side would be Romulus, the Romulan territory, and the other side would be the Klingon territory. Okay. Like that's that. And then the Cardassians and Bajor and all that are like Mexico. And okay. like, but imagine if Mexico stretched along the entire Southern border, not necessarily oh, yeah. 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 just We're in Texas. space. Yeah. Like imagine if it went that whole space and, you know, and Bajor would be like Guatemala, like just a, just a little, a little piece <laughs> over here, you know, um, maybe bigger than Guatemala, but either way. Uh, gotcha. Yeah. That's, that's kind of, that's kind of about how that goes. So yeah, the Romulans being on the other side, but they're all still part of the alpha quadrant. They're, well, fair enough. Alpha beta quadrant. Anyway. Um, but it was pillar who suggested bringing them over. And really he just said, because it, this is kind of like a whole Maltese Falcon kind of episode where they have like the spies and these guys that they needed like some thugs to come in and run the money. And he was like, we already have those thugs. It's Lursa and Beto. Like, he's like, let's, <laughs> why, why would we just bring two brand new people in that we don't mm -hmm. know anything about? We don't have any backstory for, we don't have any of that when we yeah, already, already have working it. on introducing the main cast yeah, for this show. Exactly. Plus they just introduced Garrick. Like yeah. I mean, stop. Yeah, exactly. Bring, bringing people. We already know that makes sense. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, so they're back over now, Barbara March, March and Gwyneth Walsh, while they loved coming into work on the show and they loved working with the production, they were a little dismayed that they weren't used more because most of their scenes were just with like one or two people and they really didn't get to interact with the cast very much. And they were a little sad by that, but they said, as far as everyone else they got to act, interact with, it was all the same people from next generation. So, uh, <laughs> so they were fine. There. All right. Anyway, Goldenar, if you remember him, uh, the Cardassian guy, he is played by a guy named Von Armstrong. Now, Matt, you probably don't know anything about Von Armstrong. However, nope. Trekkies might be familiar with that name because Von is going to come back as he plays no less than 12 different characters throughout Star Trek. Oh, boy. He, he is a main fixture among Star Trek. Now, some of them are going to include three Klingons, two Cardassians, a Romulan, and some species you haven't met yet, Matt, the Herogen and a Vidian. And he's most recognizable, and most people will know him as Admiral Forrest from Enterprise, which you will meet him eventually, Matt. Okay. Uh, so we're going to catch up with Vaughn a lot later. We'll see him several times. Uh, we're not going to see all 12, but we will see several of them. Uh, Admiral Rollman, a small, teeny, tiny little role, is played by a lady named Susan Bay. Matt, this is not a name that you're familiar with, and that's okay, and normally I would skip over it completely. She gets a nod here, though, because she insists that she got this role due to her existing relationship with Rick Berman and the casting director, the lady who was the casting director of Deep Space Nine, not because she also happened to be the wife of Leonard Nimoy. Huh. So take your pick, but I point her out here. All right. Uh, just two more. We come down to Matt. You have met one of my favorite characters in all of Star Trek. In fact, I put this guy as one of my top three most interesting characters covering the entire pantheon of Star Trek, plain, simple gear. And he okay. is introduced in this episode. He is played by a guy named Andrew Robinson. And as the resident Cardassian on Deep Space Nine, Matt, you may or may not have guessed, we are going to get a lot more of him. He mm -hmm. is one of the residents, even though he's not technically one of the main cast he will be back again and again and again and again and he stays all the way through to the end of the series um now as this is his first appearance i do want to put a little small note about his performance in here because i'm sure we'll talk about andrew on a future show he kind you're gonna like this matt at least i think you will he kind of pulls off a dumbledore grindelwald type thing here matt in that in a in a recent interview for the ds9 documentary called what we left behind which by the way is fantastic i highly recommend it to everyone i own the blu-ray of it it's amazing. It's self-funded and it's the only place where you're going to get HD footage of, of deep space nine. Um, but Andrew Robinson reveals in there of how he played this character. He said that Garrick's interest in Bashir was purely sexual Okay. And of the experience. This is his quote. He says, originally in that very first episode, I loved the man talking about, uh, 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 Garrick. I loved the man's absolute fearlessness about presenting himself to an attractive human being. The fact that that attractive human being, was also a man doesn't make any difference to him and well, I, I will say i felt it came off a little bit creepy it yes but kind of like dumbledore and in, in the whole his relationship with grindelwald was not sure. overtly clear it was just sort of it was just a subtext that was always there i find it i i really connect those two here because i never pulled that vibe from 
the Garrick Bashir relationship. It's just Garrick's just weird and Garrick's kind of creepy. And he's got this whole mystery thing behind him about what is he really? Um, but, but the fact that Andrew like would say that that was his take on it. Um, I, it, I just find honestly, incredibly interesting. It, it, it does explain the way he played it mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. Because like yeah. W- with that in mind. Yeah. Cause I, I, I did not necessarily read it that way. Right. But exactly. Exactly. Knowing that he had that in mind, uh-huh. his actions make more sense. Exactly. Exactly. And I think it, it's, uh, it was just so well done. It was so well done by, by Andrew Robinson. And he's, I don't, I don't know. And my research didn't say anything about how much they intended to use Garrick, mm-hmm. but generally speaking, when you get a character like this, they're not intended to come back a lot. Oh yeah. Th- th- there's, there's characters like that in every series exactly. where they write them in for like one or two episodes. And it's like, Oh, people liked that. Or, Oh, they, they interacted with the cast better than we thought we thought they would. And they just Let's bring, bring them, them back. back. Exactly. Bring them back exactly. and bring them back. And it's like, Oh, now you're like a regular. Okay, sure. You pretty much, you might as well just be on the cover of the DVD because you're a part of the cast now. Yeah, that's, <laughs> and that's exactly what Andrew Robinson is here with Garrick. So we're going to a lot more Garrick. We're going to understand a lot more of Garrick's backstory and his deal as time goes on. Sure. But our main, actor spotlight here is our first officer it's a kira centric episode so let's talk about major kira naris played by nana visitor and yes matt it is pronounced nana not nana and okay. nana, I, I've, I've seen the name in the credits and yeah. I, I wondered a little bit yeah, yeah it is nana and apparently avery brooks a uh, member captain or commander cisco mm-hmm. uh was very peculiar about making sure that people on set pronounced her name correctly so uh nana, nana visitor visitor is a stage name that she took her actual last name is tucker and but it it is like an old family name from way back uh but she did take that she comes to us with a very heavy stage background though including being cast in several broadway shows back through the 70s and 80s all throughout the 80s she did a couple of soap operas a few other short-lived uh shows a whole lot of guest roles several with fellow trek alumni but when she came to audition for the role of major kira in the early 90s uh she says that what attracted her to the role was that kira wasn't a mother a wife a prostitute or a killer although she's a terrorist but whatever she says that she was a fully realized self um emboldened character um now during the audition process nana says that she decided to remain in character through the entire process process and it kind of freaked the producers out they thought she'd be perfect for the role but they thought she was going to be really really hard to work with in fact, i think the word they said was a nightmare to work with <laughs> she wasn't but that's how she came off to the producers um now during the run of the show just so you know in real life she started dating and eventually married her co-star alexander sadig who plays dr bashir okay. so picturing julian and and kira together as a couple is very interesting especially as you get into like season two season three and beyond when Whenever you sort like see them together on screen, just know that there's a relationship there. Like, like in real life, um, she will eventually get pregnant during the run. They'll write that into the show of, <laughs> of her pregnancy. And that's a wild pregnancy, by the way, just so you know, and, and we'll, we'll get to that. I'm sure at some point. Um, but apparently it was a very secret relationship for quite a while. Like nobody knew, like the cast didn't know the producers didn't know it was very secret. Eventually it did come out as you know, you're working in close mm-hmm. quarters. Things like that are eventually going to come out. It's Hollywood. Exactly. Exactly. Um, unfortunately, uh, they did eventually divorce. It was a couple years after the show was over. Um, but they do still see each other quite often on the convention circuit. Matt, I have never been there and I've never heard anyone talk about any, like anything about what their relationships like now, whether it's a good relationship, uh, is it just cordial? Is there any animosity? I don't get the feeling there's any animosity because both, um, Alexander Sadig and Nana visitor are very present on the convention circuit. Uh, mm-hmm. So at least it would have to be cordial, but I would, I mean, they, they are still co-parents, like they have children together. So sure. there's got to, I would in general think something, you know, there's at least a, 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 some sort of a working relationship between the two of them as well. Uh, they've both remarried since, and you know, uh, are moving on. But anyway, Nana has continued to work. She's had lots of guest spots, even turned up on shows like Castle, Matt, which you've told me quite a bit about. Uh, Fantastic family, show. Yeah, family Guy, Battlestar Galactica, uh, and so much more. And like I said, she is a constant on the convention and cruise circuit uh you'll more than likely hear from her at your very first convention that you go to. so that is nana visitor and matt with that we are arriving at the spot where we are time 
to go where it is time to go through the episode scene by scene. And Matt, you're going to talk to us about what stood out to you as we go through. And I'm just going to read the recap here. That's the plan. Past prologue. Prologue. Dr. Bashir is having breakfast alone when he is approached by the sole Cardassian left on the station, Garrick. Rumor has it that he's a spy for Cardassia, but Garrick insists he's just a plain, simple tailor. Down in ops, Dr. Bashir can't wait to tell everyone that the spy has marked him. No one's really impressed. This moment is interrupted by a Cardassian vessel chasing and shooting at a Bajoran vessel in Bajoran space. And an emergency beam out brings a man, Tana Los, directly to ops, requesting political assignment, asylum. But wait for it. He recognizes Kira. Dun, dun, dun. All right. A few things to get out of the way first. Sure. One, is Kira's hair different from the first episode? Yes, it is. And you want to know why? It's completely different. Completely different. Okay. And Kira, I'm like, imagining things. No, th- you're absolutely right. And this is, by the way, I mentioned this is like the second or third episode, depending on how you count it. Sure. This was the next episode. Episode, wait, I'm gonna see if I can't get that, this right. This was the next episode produced, but it was the third episode to air. This list is number two on uh, Netflix. Exactly. And but if you go look in like the DVD, it's number three. So it just it depends uh, on which which one you go. Okay. By, uh, which is why I said it's second or third, depending on, on where you go. Um, but either way, basically what Nana had said to people, because if you remember, her hair was like really like done and styled. She's mm-hmm. like, Kira is a is a Bajoran terrorist who's turning this. She's not gonna get up in the morning and do her hair she needs something that looks like she just pops out of bed and goes and so Uh they they really work to simple it down and and make it easier to manage and yeah so her hair is completely different fair enough yeah all right Um, and that was enough to be a full-on production note Matt. yes (laughs) the 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 other thing i had a question about and and i i I may have partially at least answered this myself Mm -hmm. but you keep driving well in the original series and next generation, you kept driving home the point. Like we don't have money. Right. Uh, when we need clothes, we have replicators. Right. And now there's a guy with a clothing store. Uh-huh. Yeah, I know. I, I, I mean, the, the, the only thing I can figure is, well, they're not part of the Federation and the replicators come out of the Federation maybe. And so they don't have them. I like, I don't know. It just seems weird. It is, it is a constant, like, why would you have that shop? You have replicators. You don't necessarily. The other, the only thing I think you can really account for is like, there's a difference between when you get something that is, that is done by an artist and by a professional, uh, take food, for example, right? Mm-hmm. I, I'm you, I'm sure you've gotten the idea that, that replicated food while fine is, is just not as good as actual homemade food. Well, they always talk about like, like real it, made it, food, right? It was, it, it, like I programmed in my grandmother's recipe yeah oh and it tastes so good but there's always there's always this underlying thread of like yeah but but that's replicated stuff yeah it's not the real thing Um, okay i i can only apply that same thing to the clothing Uh, because if you remember if you remember ben's uh uh, ben cisco his father was a chef we learned that in the in the in the pilot episode the premiere episode okay that his father his father made a famous aubergine shoe he he was a he was a big big time chef because that was his thing right Mm -hmm. uh Mm -hmm. guinan was a bartender she actually mixed drinks she didn't just pull them out of the replicator so well well, that's the thing when we talk about food you talk about the bar and it's like okay we had 10 forward and we have and now we have uh quirks quirks bar there we go quirks um so like yeah there there are those places and Mm -hmm. not only like the said are they not using replicators but a lot of times money is exchanging hands too which i didn't get and and like the whole whole point in in here with like the gold and wanting payment and like Mm -hmm. okay it's one thing to trade like resources and unless you're just using the gold as a resource right like maybe i could see that but then why not just make up another techno babble word you know like the 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 beryllium no it wasn't beryllium but whatever else they were trading like just give me another made-up word that you can trade for it right so the i'm glad you mentioned that because this is the first mention we get of gold pressed lap that is the that is the money that they will be using here on deep space nine that is the money that the ferengi trade back and forth so why are they using money because this got rid is, of money no 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 no. this is not the federation the so, federation so, okay. has all, gotten rid all, of money. all these rules that you gave me before applied to 
the Federation. Yes. And now because we're the the Federation we, is a we, we have some Federation society. members here, right? But uh-huh. it, it, it is mostly Bajoran, and then like the Cardassians missed and the other people mixed around. in, and yeah. well, yeah, and everybody else that's on on station. But okay. like we're in Bajoran space, and they're not in the Federation. The Cardassians are not in the Federation, right? And I think you're you're gonna get a, a real good look through Deep Space Nine at just how many different worlds out there are not yet in the Federation or are not part of the Federation. And because well, I mean, when we were back in like the original series, uh-huh. like anytime we got a whole mess of different species and alien races together, mm-hmm. like they were all a part of the Federation. Right. And so now it's it, it's kind of weird to get to the point where it's like, okay, here's the Federation. Everybody else in this room is not Federation. It's weird. It's different. It, it, it is. And how dare these new Star Trek movie producers start doing stuff like that? This isn't what Star Trek really is. I, I, I'm okay with them doing it. It's just, I, I, yeah, it, I know, like, man. I've been trying to train my mind. It's like, this is how things are. And now flip the switch. Hey, everything's different. Yep. And you are feeling it, I think, exactly as the producers meant for it to happen. Because they get to this point and they're like, hey, so far we've only really explored the Federation and the Federation's viewpoint. They ha- now have a chance to explore other people's viewpoints who aren't part of the federation and expand the galaxy quite honestly expand out there and see what else is there besides what's in the federation because as you've said matt even in your limited run of 40 some odd episodes mm-hmm. that you've seen um you know maybe 50 ish if you count the extra viewings you've done this is like a hundred and this is like the 175th episode produced of star trek maybe sure. more than that maybe 200 and something um actually i know it is it's 200 and something produced episode of star trek you have a good idea of what the federation is Mm-hmm. right so this is a chance to get beyond that and go see what else because this is on the frontier right um, yeah but you see like i i feel like i'm just getting to understand what the federation is and now we're changing it up <laughs> yeah well maybe you should go back and watch the other 150 episodes you missed. Uh-huh, uh-huh. not right now all right um real quick uh the relationship between kira and tanalos the original idea was is that kira and tanalos would have been ex-lovers but it was pillar put who put the kibosh on that he's like no that's just too cliche stop yeah uh and i'm glad he did that i'm glad they didn't go that particular route he pillar knows what he's doing man he He really does also i i I would not have guessed dr Bashir's first name is julian what would you think it was i i'm not really sure but like it's close like i i I guess like he's kind of preppy to some extent but he's way too excitable and has too much energy (laughs) right like if he was just just kind of you know preppy snobby sweater over my shoulders Uh type of guy like julian would probably work right but then like i mean like when he comes back from from talking with garrick Mm -hmm. like i thought he was just gonna be like totally creeped out by it and like going to tell a parent going to talk to an adult type of thing and, mm-hmm. and and he gets off the the elevator which by the way they totally need turbo lifts right. those things those are a mess slow, and they're way too slow, slow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but when he gets back from from talking with garrick and, and just like bouncing around like five-year-old with sugar mm-hmm. and it's i'm not quite sure i have his full personality nailed down yet yeah and just so you know the production doesn't have his full personality <laughs> down yet. fair enough and one of the things that i want to say it was pillar who had said at, at the back end of this they didn't really nail julian and they because of how they they wrote julian and directed julian in this particular episode that it hurt him for the for the entire season it hurt mm. his development as a character because they really wrote him and treated him as this super green fresh out of the academy wide-eyed and bushy-tailed super young kind of guy and that they felt that that really hindered his development as a character um i don't mind telling you julian's arc over the next seven series is is a fantastic arc i mean you talk about a guy who really grows and almost literally grows um julian is is definitely that so we'll watch for that as as we go yeah i i I was just thinking when 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 he said like he comes out so green like i feel you need to give him a little dose of wesley yeah you know calm down a little bit it's like dude you you know your stuff settle down right right because if you just in case you you haven't forgotten yet julian is very very smart sure um you know not the valedictorian but what what's the number two got the salute salutatorian 
Uh, he's that guy in his class, and he only missed one question. That's the only thing that separated him <laughs> from the person beside him. So, you know, yeah, Julian knows what he's doing. Um, so we like. All right, Act One: The Cardassians, a gold dinar, hails the station, demanding the release of Tanalos, a member of the Kon Ma, a Bajoran terrorist group that hasn't stopped fighting yet and is continuing the violence. Cisco's gonna have to think about it. On their way down to the infirmary, Cisco and Kira have it out. Cisco isn't about to let an active terrorist use the station as a shield, and Kira isn't about to let Tana get turned over. Her priorities are straight. She's loyal to Bajor, and Bajor is going to need to repatriate splinter groups like the Kone Ma if they expect to survive. When they arrive in sickbay, Cisco has, or uh, the infirmary, I'm sorry, it's not sickbay here, it's the infirmary. <laughs> Cisco has a few questions for Tana, but the gist of it is that Tana wants to quit the Kone Ma and get back on the straight and narrow. Yeah, I don't know what to think of him yet, but I will say that Cisco, I mean, I guess we've had this already. Kirk is different from Picard, is different from Cisco. Yeah. They all have very, very, very different leadership styles. They do. They do. And like Cisco, like it falls in line with what I was saying with, with everybody else that I, I finally figured it out. You know, it's it, everybody just says what they're thinking up front. They don't hold back. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they don't pull any punches. It's like, this is what I'm thinking. This is what you're going to do. And I, I, I guess, yeah, he, Cisco doesn't like we talked about with Picard. He, he's always, you know, all right, give me options. What you got? Cisco is like, no, he's, this is what we're doing. Do it now. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, people may talk back to him occasionally or the, the, the what it really hit me kind of was when he turned around to Mustman O'Brien and he's like, you know, make sure that, uh, you know, they go through all the proper precautions right for getting on the ship you know give, basically buy me time right i don't want to talk to like i think he even said like i don't want to talk to them right now uh-huh. so you know do something and it's like okay that that like that that's something that, that. <laughs> with either Kirk or Picard may have come out eventually, but it would have been either like Riker's idea or it would have been something that, you know, he subtly hints at, but leaves them to figure out the minutia of the plan. Mm-hmm. He, he's just like, no, no, hold him up. Here's, here's an idea how to do it. Go. I, I, I don't want to talk to him right now. Like Picard would never do that. Yeah. <laughs> You know who would do that, Matt? Who's that? Captain Jellico. Oh. <laughs> Don't get me started on Jellico. Uh, I do. I do particularly love that moment where he's like, "Isn't there some inspections you can do? You know, things to just hold them up." Like, I, I love it. I love it. All right, back in the office in a private call, Kira is issuing her complaints, her concerns, or whatever about how Cisco is handling this to a Federation admiral. It's Admiral Roman. Thank you for letting me know. Now piss off. And the next thing you know, that admiral is calling Cisco. Hey, you got a problem over there. Meanwhile, Kira tells Tanalos that it's going to be over her dead body if they turn him over to the Cardassian. That seems to make Tana a little happy. I was wondering how that interaction with the Admiral was going to go down. Yeah. It's like, I wrote down, oh boy, Kira's going over Cisco's head and like, I, one scene later, he's like, you went over my head. I'm like, yes, exactly. <laughs> but yeah. it, I, I was kind of glad to see, like, once again, it, it just kind of drives home, like, this is not one big happy family. One, uh-huh. th- they're not one unit yet. Right. They're very much the Federation and the Bajorans. Mm-hmm. And it's like, we are working together only to keep the Cardassians away. Like that, that yeah. I mean, Kira mentions that later, I think too, like if the Federation weren't here, the Cardassians would be back on top of us and they'd be in charge again. So we need them here. Right. We can't do this by ourselves right now. So right. It, it's, a weird dynamic and it's a little bit every man for himself mm-hmm. to some extent, mm-hmm. but it's very much still, okay, you're Starfleet. I'm Starfleet. I'll stick up for you over the Bajorans right now. But I don't like to hear like Kira basically said at one point, like she's still loyal to Bajor. Yeah. Her loyalties like, are to Bajor, which I honest, I understand. I get that. She doesn't like, need I to get be, it, but I don't know how, how, how that, that yeah. bodes well for the rest of the show. Not, not only this episode, but like moving forward, like, I mean, if this is going to work, something has to change, right? That is part of the show. We'll, <laughs> and we'll, we'll see that as it goes forward, Matt, but keep in mind part, one of the things that, that not having 
Ensign Rowe in this spot afforded them was they were able to introduce conflict between the 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 commanding officer and the first officer, which is good for drama. It's good for driving the show forward. It's not the happy, hey, we've all gotten past this in the future. It's us now, like we have to work on this. And I got to tell you, I love this scene because I've been on the Kira side of this conversation going over my boss's head. And I've been on the boss's side of this conversation of somebody saying of, of having to go to somebody else and be like, uh-huh. hey, so your person just came to me <laughs> and they really shouldn't have. You need to figure that out. Like, I, like I get that idea of you're not listening to me, so I'm going to go to your boss. But the boss kind of saying exactly back to the manager or whatever, like, mm-hmm. hey, just so you know, you've got a little thing going on over there. You may want to, you know, I'm not I'm not pulling you out of this. You're, you're the person I have there. So you need to go figure that out. But, you know, it's it's I love how that works out. Uh, let's finish up this act sometime later. Gold Dinar comes to see Cisco in his office. Cisco tells Dinar that he's going to try to grant that he's going to grant this asylum for the time being. Turning him over would undermine everything he's trying to do with Bajor. But if the goal wants to take it up with the provisional gov- government, that's his business. Yep. Moving Basically pisses forward. off the Cardassians and yeah. uh, let's go. I like that Cisco doesn't mind pissing off Cardassians here. Oh, really. yeah. Yeah. Act two Kira is showing Tana to his quarters. They have an argument over whether or not the Federation should even be there. But Kira says that with the discovery of the wormhole, Bajor is becoming a power in this quadrant and that the Federation is serving a purpose by keeping the Cardassians away. That said, as long as Tana is finished with the Kone Ma, Kira is working on gaining him amnesty and for the other members of the Kone Ma who wish to follow him. He seems to agree. Yep, kind of touched on some of that already. So, yeah. Down on the promenade, there seems to be a skerfuffle. Our old friends, the Dura sisters, have arrived at the station. Neither Cisco or Odo like the smell of it, but they haven't broken any laws here. So, Cisco's not going to let Odo do more than just keep an eye on him. Odo is very, like, I want to call him trigger happy, but he doesn't, hasn't actually, like, shot anybody yet. But he's very much, like, wants to put everybody in prison yeah or want like wants to lock everybody up or wants to kick them off the ship or wants to like he he wants to do something Mm -hmm. like he He has his way of maintaining order and they're not letting yeah it doesn't necessarily want to to kill everybody but yeah he, he he wants yeah that's a good way of putting it wants there to be order and he has his way of going about it but it's not what the captor I, I, I'm going to keep calling him captain. I'm going to have he's a problem. The commander. He's the commander. I, I know I, I'm going to do the same thing because we've been I, doing I, it for I, so long. Yep. Yeah, I, 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 I know I, I, I tried typing in my notes like twice during this episode <laughs> and I, I caught myself and changed it to commander, mm-hmm. but obviously I'm still going to have problems with it. Yeah. Verbally. Well, down in Quarks, Lurson Bator have caught the eye of plain, simple Garrick. Bashir isn't one for subtlety. He doesn't get what Garrick is saying. Just then Tantalo walks into the bar and then out of the bar and Lursa and Bator follow him whilst Scabbers follows them. Down in the boiler room, Lursa and Bator have a conversation with Tana about a payment that hasn't arrived yet. And oh yeah, Scabbers is there. Wait, psych, it's Odo! And 100%, I thought, because uh, I, I think I made this, this comment when we, we saw a rat once on the Enterprise. Uh-huh. Like, why, how, no, there shouldn't be a rat there. Right. And so when they did it here again, I'm like, really, guys? And I almost made a note about it, but I didn't uh-huh. because I'm like, I've already commented on that. And I'm like, and then five seconds later, oh, well go. done. Well played. <laughs> I appreciate that, rat. And that is like, I, I, I'm starting to appreciate Odo even more. Like, uh-huh. I... Aside from wanting to lock everybody up, uh-huh. I like how he operates. Right. Like I, I, I like that he he's willing to put himself in those situations. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, okay, most people are just going to ignore a rat. Well, except, except I don't think they belong on spaceships or space stations. That that's just weird to me. Right. Like that's a that, that's a very Earth thing, right? That yeah. that's a very. I mean, unless other planets have rats too, I don't know, but it's very much a sewer or a abandoned building type of thing that we do dark corridors. Mm-hmm. We have rats scrambling around. So they try to do that on the spaceship from time to time, but it, it doesn't actually, actually make sense when you think about it, at least not to me. Right. Yeah. It's but yes. <laughs> good job, Odo. Yeah, good job, Odo. There you go. Act three, Kara tells Cisco that she has arranged for the provisional government to grant amnesty for Tanalos and at least two other members that are willing to 
follow him. Cisco's a little short with her, and he unleashes the frustration that he has with her going over his head. Back in his office, Odo tells Cisco what he's overheard, and Cisco's starting to put the pieces together. That payment may be being brought by those two members of the Cone Ma. This seems suspicious. A little short with her? <laughs> a little short? I mean... He puts her in her place. I mean, straight up. Yes. I mean, he, he he makes a point in this episode more than I've noticed anywhere else before. Uh -huh. Like he always like takes a step up onto a different platform and looks down on her. Yeah. When he's talking to her a lot, and and, and some of the camera angles helped a lot in this episode too. But I, I I've noticed him doing it more than other uh, other places, and I yeah. I, I kind of wonder if his actual physical height has something to do with that. I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't well, know how tall he is. I, I mean, he definitely. Avery Brooks definitely has that moment a lot where he squares his shoulders and 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 gets taller to okay. to physically impose himself mm -hmm. and it's it's such a great little acting move that he does where he just it, like you you can tell he's moving into that defensive sure. posture or that that offensive posture actually i think in so many cases um yeah cisco's cisco's not a guy to be trifled but and yeah, I mean, straight up tells his first officer go over my head and i'll have yours on a platter yeah I'm like, what? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, not even Kirk would that's say not that. Picard. Like, <laughs> right. come on. What? What? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We got a new new captain in town. Yeah. Commander. But yeah. Yeah. I purposely called him captain because, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, later that evening in the tailor shop, Lursa and Bator go to see plain, simple Garrick. They have a deal that they want to make with the Cardassian authorities. Tanalos for the best price. Garrick is eager, eager to negotiate this deal to get Tanalos. Down in his quarters, Kira tells Tana the good news, but it's not long before Tana lets the cat out of the bag. He's not leaving the Cone Maw, but he insists that the violence is over, but he needs Kira's help. They have a plan to get rid of both the Cardassians and the Federation in one fell swoop. Yeah, these plans never tend to go well. <laughs> right. W w anytime a quote-unquote bad guy says, I have one final plan that will fix everything, no. No, right. It that's not gonna work. I don't care what you. It's not gonna work. Mm -hmm. So I mean, I, the fact that he kind of breaks down and says, "Yeah, I was, I've been lying the whole time. I knew Kira was here. I, I'm still part of the Cone Ma." Like, okay, yeah, dude. But I'm you, still a good guy. You, you need to you go. You can still trust no. me. I'm, no, you need to go. Yeah, right. Like, I, I, I'm glad that at this point we've already seen that like Cisco is putting this together. Uh -huh. Like he knows something is up and he's not completely clueless. Mm -hmm. Like he, he's biding his time, getting the information he needs. Fine. I, I that that's all good. But I, I, I'm just glad he's not completely clueless. There you go. Act four. The next morning, Garrett goes to find Doctor Bashir once again. He's very eager to find out what Larson Bator and those two new Cone Ma terrorists are up to, and the best way they can do that is for Bashir to show up at Garrick's shop tonight at precisely 2055 to buy a new suit. A new suit. 2055. This I mean, come on, Bashir. Maybe this is the writing. Maybe this is the direction that, that you're talking about a little bit, uh -huh. but really? You, you can't catch on to this a little bit? Like, good for you going and telling the captain. Uh -huh. Commander, ah, the guy in charge. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, I think you can still catch on to what he's saying uh-huh not you know not have to have cisco point it out to you right mm -hmm. like cisco still doesn't even quite explain it fully to him he's just like no yeah you you could use a new suit you should be there exactly <laughs> like the, i mean i understand they're kind of you know beating around the bushes passing information through other people talking in code type of thing mm -hmm. but come on like bashir should be able to like, grasp grasp something right i i so i'd like it's you could almost say he's like Hermione, right? Mm -hmm. Super book smart, but not necessarily street smart. I think that I think that's what they wrote for him, and that's what they intended, and that's how they directed him. And I think this is where Pillar comes back on the other side of it and goes, "Yeah, we shouldn't have done it. Like he could be just as smart and just as everything else, uh, you know, as he is without being so green, uh, you know." Um, yeah. Uh, well, Kira goes to see Odo down in his office. She needs some advice. She needs someone to talk to, and Odo is the 
only person she trusts. Odo says he doesn't understand pretense. So Kira gets to it. She's questioning herself on whether or not she is guilty of what Tana Los accuses her of, of not being willing to fight for Bajor anymore. She's torn because no matter what she does, she's going to betray someone. Odo sees, Odo sees right through it and tells her that the only important thing is to not betray yourself. And when Kira says, it was so much easier when I knew who the enemy was, Odo calls for Cisco and tells him that there's someone down in security who wishes to speak. So this is a scene I would never have expected. Good. Odo. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's like Odo's a security officer, and now he's playing a combination of. It, like it's a cross between data and Troy, right? It, like I kind of like it, but it's not what I expected. And it's not his job on the ship. As far as I know, maybe they'll give him like, is he going to turn into sort of a count? Like we don't have a counselor on the station that we've met at least. Right. That is true. as part, that is as part true. of the, the main crew. We do not. Yeah. So like they had to, had to work it in somewhere because that, that's what she's doing. Right. Mm -hmm. She's going to therapy to talk things out. Yeah. She's going to the guy she trusts for sure. Yeah. The, the only guy she trusts, like, yeah. because, he's basically who, a neutral party who does cisco go to for this do you know yet i don't think so think, think about his 328 year old friend oh yeah. dax okay that, that that would make sense yeah yeah, yeah. so it, there's a there is a little bit of uh dax didn't have a big role in this episode so i no, kind of forgot didn't. about her a little yeah, bit no, she, didn't. She, she was mentioned like once by name and she was in a few shots here and there but yeah. she didn't really do much right and we're we'll miss some stuff but yeah like the way that that cisco calls her old man and, and like he does, like he'll go and confide stuff to her, but that's based on a longstanding relationship. Yep. Again, I can see that. No counselor here, yep. you know, and, and that's, that's a lot of, I think what you're seeing between Kira and Odo here, they, they have a longstanding relationship already yeah, established. But, that, and, but honestly, th th this, this interaction with Odo, uh -huh. like I already told you once, I kind of like him more mm -hmm. because of this episode and then this scene here. I liked, I mean, like they said, no, like he doesn't understand pretense, uh -huh. but I felt it was very much like a no nonsense, very logical type of decisions he was making. And, mm -hmm. and unlike data who couldn't always necessarily read people very well, mm -hmm. he could sense that, Hey, yeah, you need to talk to someone. I know who you need to talk to and I'm going to take the next step and, and call them for you. Right. Like I, 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 I love that, that proactive. Mm -hmm. And like I, that part of Odo, like I really hope is around for a while. I don't know, but yeah, we'll find out. We'll find out. I'm well, with you. I love this scene. Is it might be my favorite scene in the whole episode? Sure. The scene here between, and it's it's probably the most the, Star Trek scene. Yes, because I forgot this scene is the one that I pulled out my quote that if there was like a a lesson to be learned from this mm -hmm. the only important thing is not to, is to not betray yourself right, right like that 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 was you know we had we had two people down sitting in the room talking mm -hmm. letting their hearts loose and and saying okay figuring things out here's what you need to know this is our lesson let's move on finish the episode and and just to state it very clearly i love that odo understands and effectively communicates to kira for as much fighting as she's had with cisco here lately the federation is not your enemy mm -hmm. like like odo was here for the cardassians he's been here through all of this he's seen what they've gone through mm -hmm. the federation is not your enemy yeah that you know so you you can go to them i i, I love that he says that. so all right back to the recap it's it's 2057 and Dr. Bashir is late. Garrick hurries Bashir into a changing room and tells him to try it on this piece of clothing as often as he likes. Right really on. Really weird phrasing. <laughs> try it on his. Why is it? Say here, shut up and just listen. Like, no, no, no. He, Garrett can't do it that way. Right on time, Lurson Bator enter with Bashir listening from the changing room. They give up the goods, both the location and the cargo. They're trading Tana for the ingredients to a very powerful bomb. <laughs> And we have our main plot, what it's all boiled down to, what yeah. what he's been planning this whole time. So, yeah, now we can uh, figure out how to stop him. All right. Well, act five, pew, 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 action sequence. The command crew are in ops putting it all together. Since they don't have any proof, they'll have to wait until the trade is over to catch Tana red-handed with the bomb ingredients. And Kira is going to have to be in that runabout. Cisco isn't so sure, but he gives in. So he and O'Brien are going to be hiding close by. Kira and Tana launch from Deep Space Nine. They rendezvous with the Duras sisters, and Kira feigns ignorance. The Duras sisters complete their business 
and leave. Never to be seen again. That's not. <laughs> now it's time for Cisco and O'Brien to jump in before the Cardassians get there. Things go bad between Tana and, and Kira real quick and orders her to set course for DS9. It seems obvious that they're going to go blow up the station, but Tana said this would be a nonviolent mission. They're not headed for DS9. They're headed for the mouth of the wormhole. His plan is simple. No wormhole, no alien interference in Bajor. Kira foils Tana's plan by forcing them to go all the way through the wormhole and then throws away his shot on the other side. After that, it's an easy surrender for Tana. So this is a little bit of a roller coaster. Uh-huh. Like went from, okay, Tana, you suck, you suck, you suck. Hey, I kind of like your plan, actually. Uh-huh. I don't think it's going to work, but I like it. Right. It, like it, it, it was actually a lot more logical and a lot more peaceful than I, than I thought it would be. However, I went back and thought about like what I saw in the first episode. And uh-huh. I guess I have to say, say like Tana's never met these alien creatures, the wormhole aliens, as you, you called them. Right. And so prophets. I don't, yeah. Like I, I don't know that he entirely understands what he's up against. He just thinks it's a wormhole. Right. And so in my mind, obviously I, I don't have a ton of information about the wormhole or these aliens, mm-hmm. but seeing the power that they have and the power, like the fact that they created this thing in the first place and, mm-hmm. and the way they can control other humans and stuff. Like I kind of have a feeling that even if he would have been able to detonate his bomb in the wormhole, uh-huh. I don't think that would have stopped them. Right. Like even if it, it like either they would have a way to like spit out the bomb or just control the bomb and to a smaller explosion, or they could just, okay, the bomb explodes. Even if it does collapse the wormhole, they create it in the first place. They can just create it again. Right. Like, I, I mean, and it doesn't matter how long it will take them. They don't exist inside of time. They they don't. Yeah. They don't use time. Right. So like that, that's where it's a good point. It kind of falls through for me a little bit. And I, 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 I put it up to basically ignorance. Like he just doesn't know what he's up against. And so he thinks he has a good plan. And, and I kind of agreed like from an outsider's perspective, from from the average space explorer's perspective of a wormhole and okay yeah maybe a big enough explosion would cause it to collapse sure that, I, I can accept that mm-hmm. but this particular wormhole i think is different and so i don't think it would have made a difference even if the bomb went off i i, I think they could have written it either way and the series could go on as it did i agree i agree they could have gone either way with that um however the adventure has come to a close back on ds9 kira tells tana that she hopes he's gonna understand one day the old ways don't work anymore tana looks at her in disgust and calls her a traitor but he's the one headed off to jail <laughs> the end uh yeah matt I, I i think what this really highlights and again i go back to why i chose this episode mm-hmm. and i i hope like do you get more of a sense after watching this episode more so than you did from the pilot episode or the premiere episode sorry the wormhole is a is gonna be very very important to the to the economic success to the political importance the strategic importance of Bajor. Like yeah. It's going to effectively put Bajor back on the map. Absolutely. And, and yeah, I, for Bajor going forward. I, I, I certainly get that. Yes. Yeah. And there's going to be a lot of activity. I think that, that I don't think was very clear out of the, uh, out of the pilot. Like this wormhole is going to create a lot of activity for, um, for Bajor, you know, mm-hmm. in, in that particular area. So uh, the idea that, that they, I like the idea. If you really want to get everybody out, let's take away the reason why people have to be there. Then nobody's going to care. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you say, it's just, it never works because this is TV, yeah. and it's not going to work on episode two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think the other big thing I got out of this episode is just how bad and evil the Kardashians are. Okay, because because I mean, from Tana surrendering to Cisco to save himself from going to the Kardashians, right. from the the scars on Tana's chest that they explain, you know, they they have this way of of torturing you, but keep make sure you stay alive. Do you, do you know what that is? You should no. know what that is. Mm-hmm. The Crucio device that they put into, into Picard. Oh, is that what they're talking about? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then, Oh, it, it was like, it, it was someone weird that I, well, I felt it was kind of a weird conversation. It was it O'Brien that mentioned, you know, I, I wouldn't send anybody, you know, even my base. I don't know if you worded yeah. it this way, but you know, I wouldn't even send my enemy over to the Cardassians. Yeah, you don't want to so send any man there. There was an episode of Next Generation that you missed, Matt, where O'Brien 
talks about he used he fought in the Cardassian Wars a long time ago, like before okay. he was on board the Enterprise. And I don't remember I don't remember what the details of it was. If he got caught or he was a prisoner of the I think that was it. I think he was a prisoner of theirs. And O'Brien really, really hates the Cardassians as a whole. He does not see them as individuals. He sees them as those Lord. people and horrible, horrible people. So um O'Brien's pretty like he'll use racial slurs about the Cardassians and stuff pretty sure. freely. And so, so yeah, he basically he's as anti like if you know your Star Trek, he's as anti-Cardassian as they come. Yeah. And so him making that statement, like I wouldn't send him over there. Yeah. And there should a- have a huge ad- impact. It didn't have quite the same impact on me. Exactly. But- and yeah. like, do you remember where back in the premiere episode when um they were gonna they were they were forcing the surrender of the station and mm-hmm. Kira's like I'm not gonna do that. She turns around and says, "Everybody here understands I'm not about to give up the station." And O'Brien speaks up and he says, "You know what they do to their prisoners, sir? Yeah, like, I'm not I'm not just gonna lay down and give this over to them." So yeah, that's that's really where that comes from. So Matt, do you have anything else on this episode? That's it. That's that's the I, end of yeah. the episode. That, that I mean that that's it. I, I mean it, it feels. A little bit weird because we haven't done like a single episode in a while. <laughs> it feels right. like we've yeah, done we've so got many a lot of double episodes, episodes and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We did we did an extra viewing of Time Zero one and two. We did Chain of mm-hmm. Command one and two. We did Deep Space Nine premiere episode one and two. Although that mm-hmm. was really just one episode, but still, it was but it was it, it was twice as long though. Yeah. So uh one one more note to add for you, Matt, just to drive home the Shakespearean nature of Star Trek a little bit more. Okay. The title for this episode alludes to the show or the play The Tempest, written by Shakespeare, and the line in there that says, What's past is prologue. Okay. And so that that becomes the title of the in fact, most I don't want to say most. I, I I can't say that. A lot of Deep Space Nine titles are lines from Shakespeare. Sure. Are definitely lines from Shakespeare. All right, Matt. Well, I'm going to boil it down. Let's ask the question. Did you like this episode? Is this an episode you'd watch again? Do you understand why this was part of our run? I, I mean, I, yeah, I think we covered the part of the run part of it, but it, it's... I don't think I necessarily watch it again, but as I kind of said at the top, like it was okay, but I think that's because I don't have a lot to compare it to. Mm -hmm. And this is kind of building my baseline for what deep space nine is going to be. Yeah. And that's exactly why it's in this. Cause I, I have often said the first several seasons of any show, particularly deep space nine are really rough. When I was going through deep space nine for the first time, it was one of those things where like I would go several episodes and almost quit because it it was just, it, that, episodes were just hard to watch like it just they weren't interesting but then they would have one that would pop up and be super interesting like okay i'll give you a few more episodes and then i'd start watching i'm all right i'm done this this show's done and then i'd catch one and it was really good and i'd, I'd keep going like that's the way the first couple of seasons worked for me so sure. i was real tentative about giving you this but like i said i i think this gives you you get the uh, the idea of the wormhole uh, this sets the stage for what deep space nine is better than really i think the pilot episode does and and sure. to me that's where i think this goes because because where we're going next in the deep space nine storyline anyway, is we're, we're moving forward with the story and we're not setting the world. So I needed to set the world for you a little bit before we went any further. And that's, that's really why it's here. Cause I think other people out there listening, we, why is this, <laughs> why is this one? You have so many episodes and this is a one. Why are you spending it here? It's like, you remember, you, you know what it is? Remember when we did the episode, the child back in next generation Yeah, where we said the show's not really important. What happens in the show? It's just, there's all these changes and you need to know what's happening on board the enterprise because that was the one where dr pulaski came and jordy got promoted and like a whole bunch of other stuff happened crusher left and Mm -hmm. uh like all that you just i needed to let them tell you rather so anyway our next episode matt you ready for our next episode yeah all right well in this one we're going back to star trek the next generation for an episode called tapestry matt i don't mind telling you ahead of time and i i very much Hope this colors your view of this episode. Tapestry is my personal favorite episode of all of Next Generation. Okay. It is, it is 100% my favorite episode. So um, I'll make sure to hate it. Yeah, we are definitely hitting it, and I'm super excited to get to it. I've got a couple of extra viewing episodes for you, though, and these are all Deep Space Nine episodes. You ready? Okay. All right. Uh, the first one up is called Dax. This is an episode where Jadzia goes on trial 
to see if she can be held accountable for the actions of her past hosts. <laughs> so it, this one gives you a really good look into what a trill is and how a trill is made up. I This was one of those episodes that I like bad episode, bad episode, bad episode, really good episode and made me keep watching. Dax was one of those. Okay. Um, so I really wanted to show it. But honestly, this is one of those that I have to cut, even though I like it a lot. Sure. Uh, the next one I want to give you is an episode called Q-less. It's Very funny. You made your, your comment earlier about Q. This is a definitely a Q episode. It's the only Q episode of Deep Space Nine. I will tell you that. Okay. Um, and Q-less is going, I'm going to give this to you as an extra viewing. There's two things about it. One, it is, it's actually the third part of a three-part series of episodes uh, that go back to two extra viewings I gave you with Next Generation called Captain's Holiday and Cupid. And okay. then there's this one. And these, these are a little more fun kind of hee hee ha ha type episodes. Most right? Q episodes are. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, let me just, the middle one is the Next Generation crew gets sent back to the days of Robin Hood and cast in the <laughs> roles of Robin Hood. So when you see Worf as a merry man with tights, sure. He has a line. He goes, I am not a merry man. <laughs> it's very, very <laughs> funny. Um, the thing about this episode that I just have to tell you, because it's such a, it's such a monumental piece. We're not going to watch it just because of it, but there is a point where Q is talking to Cisco and Cisco punches Q. Okay. And Q looks up and he goes, Picard never hit me. You hit me. <laughs> and Cisco goes, I'm not Picard. It's a great as moment. As I uh, pointed a, out in this episode, it's, it's a very apparent moment. he is not Picard. It's yes. A great moment. And the final one I want to give you is an episode called The Nagus. This is a Ferengi episode. And all I have to say, I have two Can words you spell for that you. for yeah, me. N-A-G-U-S. The Nagus. Right. The Nagus is basically like the president of the of the the Ferengi. Like he's the okay. guy. Um, he's played by a guy named Wallace Sean. I am familiar with him. Yes. Yes. Inconceivable. And all of that. <laughs> it's that guy. Yep. It is. We will catch up with the Nagus on another episode. So I'm not going to give you this one. He's kind of the Loxana Troy of Deep Space Nine, though. Like he pops okay. up every once in a while. He's very like he's just this huge presence, this huge character. Um, mm -hmm. Some people love him. Some people hate him. But uh, it's it's Wallace Shawn. And, and boy, does he just you're, you're going to love him when we get there. But uh, I'll give sure. that to you as extra viewing. All right, Matt, that's going to get it for us for this week on Beam Me Up, a Star Trek podcast. Hey, what'd you guys think out there of past prologue? Am I crazy if we're including it? What episodes of season one do you think we should cover here of Deep Space Nine? Don't forget, guys, we are going back to Next Generation next week for Tapestry. We need your help. Write in, let us know. Beamyuppod at gmail.com or head over to beamyuppod.com for more ways to contact us. Matt, where can they yes, get sir. in touch with you out there on the internet? best place to do that is over on twitter at as a matter of matt and if you guys want to get in touch with me i am brent allen live across all the social medias i would love to connect with you there as well too until next time live long and prosper.